You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. So glad that you're joining us again. I'm Tonya Don Rackla here with Doug Patton. I'm really excited about this interview. I'm going to give Doug a chance to say hello. Hi, Doug. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tanya. Uh, welcome to uh, my world of creativity that we're going to dive into today. And I have to say that uh, creativity is a beautiful blue lagoon, warm and beautiful, that mm. everyone should get rid of their fear and fearlessly with courage, jump and enjoy it. Because that's uh, kind of the key word for today, that creativity is enticing you. It wants you. It beckons you. It is something that is innate in all of us. All we have to do is look at it and uh, dive in. So there you go. Fabulous. I love that. That's like an amen and drop the mic kind of moment right there. And that <laughs> sets the stage so beautifully. Like you felt it, right, folks? You feel what we're about to do here. And we're going to talk about the emerging creative economy. Doug has a, a phenomenal history. I won't go too much into it. I'm sure we'll talk about some of it in, in invention creating processes, solving problems, and doing it from very creative spaces. And that's super important in today's age. Like, I don't know, if you're not paying attention, folks, then you're missing that that we're being called to, to be different, right? It's not just about what we're doing anymore. It's about how are we approaching things? How are we going about things? How are we thinking about things? Um, moving into some of those subconscious, subtle spaces that that get a little squirrely, right? People get a little weird about that stuff. But 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 as Doug said so beautifully, at the heart of it, we know this. This is an innate energy that flows through us, and there's literally nothing to be worried about outside of. Actually, don't worry about anything because that's kind of counterintuitive. But really relaxing into it and learning how to work with it. And it's a different way of being than a lot of us have been taught. So I'm really excited about this conversation because, because we're seeing a clear division between those who understand the power of creativity and how to harness co-creative principles because they are nuanced. They are subtle. There are rules to them that we can talk about, we can explain, but you really just have to work with it. And as you continue to work with it, you gain confidence. It's a relationship. And it is beautiful. And then you learn how to interact with others in the world very differently. And the world responds. We live in a responsive universe that that relies on us to, to, to send those signals. And it changes. It alters right in front of our face when we know how to work with it. It does it anyway. We know we can anticipate it when we know how to work with it. So I'm going to leave that there for now and bring Doug back on and ask, what, Doug, what are your superpowers and how are you using them for good? Well, First of all, I have to say my superpowers uh, with all hubris are innate in all of us. And it's because I was a very curious child and I still remain one at the grand old age of 70 here. I'm uh, fascinated with everything around me. And that is the mental spark that everyone needs every day. It's important to have a creative spark, an epiphany. And something to make you believe each day is important. Uh, so my superpower, uh, uh, to coin the phrase, is the ability to create and imagine in ways that 
society doesn't give us in terms of K through 12 or even college. It is something that has always been not only a fascination, but also like a virtual drive in me. Mm -hmm. uh, from some of the first projects I started with at Patent Design in the 80s, every time I would invent something, I would write it down. How did I do that? What was my process for thinking? And as that evolved, people would start wanting me to give lectures about, well, how exactly do you invent? How do you think? And I realized the vast gap that is there between the processes of imagination and creativity versus what everyone else experiences that. Mm -hmm. So uh, as the years and decades went on, I kept oh, probably 20 journals of, of my thought processes. Mm -hmm. And finally, with my book, Conquering the Chaos of Creativity, I decided it's time to communicate this in a way that can help everyone, that, where every problem can be solved. So that in a way, uh, you know, my superpower is everyone's, is that uh, every problem is an opportunity. It's a wake-up call to, mm -hmm. to wake up and, and revel in the fact that there is some chaos and that we can solve it. And the most beautiful part of it, Tanya, is that that uh you know going on on this this thought process of superpower we all have that in us there is a a chapter in my book called the subconscious cloud where uh it's something i've derived where it's basically our mind uh is a supercomputer our subconscious it hasn't really been measured but it goes somewhere between 10 and 100 times faster than our conscious mind Mm -hmm. And it can be harnessed. It's kind of like a Pavlovian dog, uh, where if you harness it in the right way, I have a chapter, what I call methodical intuition, which loads your brain in the right way, just like a computer program, zeros and ones in, in that sort of uh, metaphorical fashion, right? And if you understand how to do that, you can load your brain and your brain spits out the answer. And it's like a process, it's like a muscle, it's like playing right. the piano, you first start doing scales. And then after uh, seven years, which I was forced to do from the age of seven to, to 13, uh, in classical piano, you're playing Chopin and liking it, right? So right. It, it is something that um, everyone asks, what, what's the five easy ways? And I've written a lot of articles because everyone wants that. But it's really an awareness and it's a lifetime commitment. It builds. It builds over years mm -hmm. and decades. And any problem can be solved if it is done in a process that harnesses every part of you. Many people, when they're thinking of creativity, um, you know, don't know where to start. But it is an interconnected whole of, of your analytics, your mm -hmm. psychology, your inspiration, your spirit, uh, your imagination, all of that is, is enmeshed in the process of creativity because we are Absolutely. not computers and mm -hmm. we are, we are inspirational beings and our society has created a dialectic where we learned modules and parts and we never learned to use them creatively. And so we grow up, we get a job and we repeat that. And so what, uh, just as a little a fun story, you know, 
for so many years, I worked with the biggest companies in the world. And uh, uh, a lot of people that started working around me started getting the fever, the, the spark, and they want they they love the creativity. They would come over. They would say, how do you do this? And people they said, you know, that would say, I've never been creative before, but this whole process has inspired me. I'm excited. And, you know, in, in a, in a big corporate environment or even the government, uh, where I've worked some creative solutions, it is a, uh, a stymied process that doesn't allow a beacon of, of imagination to come forth. And because I've always been sort of a intellectual revolutionary, when I see a new idea, I fight for it. I have the stamina and courage, which is really part of creativity. You must have stamina. You must have courage. You must have perseverance. You must have belief. And uh, I can tell you a little story that is a, um, an interesting one that shows the importance of what I call a visionary in a company is that uh, I grew up in uh, Cupertino, well, Los Altos, Cupertino, and uh, I there was a lot of smart people around me, like in in uh, my electronics class with Steve Jobs, and uh, much smarter than I was in electronics, uh, and he lived down the street from me, and it was a place of of great conversations. And when he was at Apple and I was at Apple in the early days, you know, there would be, he was a visionary. He would force it. He would make it happen. And when he got kicked out by Scully and the board, they wanted to make their first portable computer. And I had worked on the Mac Classic before. I don't know if you recall, it's a cute little square uh, computer. Um, Scully made a portable uh, that was heavier than the Mac Classic and looked like a typewriter. And I remember in being in an adjacent uh, conference room, I heard a big smash. And apparently what happened, uh, uh, someone picked it up and threw it against the wall saying, this is, how did this happen? And he said, well, I, I put in everything everyone told me. <laughs> okay. Kind of like the Edsel, right? Uh, you know, uh, Ford son. And I'm trying to say, you need a visionary. You need mm -hmm. to see the vision and you need to be able to speak the language of creativity right. to everyone. So to there's someone, a, there's a sync. Oh, go ahead. Well, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, I learned this very early. I couldn't speak design or, or uh, human factors. I had to speak business. I had to speak patents, mm -hmm. marketing. Uh, how much money is it going to make? Uh, talk to the electronic engineers in, in software terms, talk to the hardware people in terms of hardware terms. So I had one concept, but I learned the many languages of creativity because right. everyone will sit in the same room and never agree. And later on, I was able to expand this when I was um, uh, summarily uh, 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 asked to work for the commerce department, the patent area to solve problems. And that's a whole discussion in itself. But <laughs> I was able to bring about uh, hundreds of groups that had never talked and, 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 and move forward. So if you have a creative vision and you have the ability to absorb information and put it in a way that creates a foundation, uh, uh, many beautiful things can grow from it. So I, I know I'm being and a little wordy. 
But this is a great passion of mine, and I could just go on forever. But I, I want to let you direct me here so I don't uh, <laughs> lose uh, uh, the emphasis of superpower that you would Brilliant. like to extract from me. Brilliant, Doug. I can, I can do that for you. So the the what what's so brilliant about everything that Doug was sharing is, is that co-creative element, right? We talk about creativity and really when we talk about this emerging creative economy, it's not just about, you know, a lot of times we think of creativity like, oh, I'm not creative, right? I don't paint, I don't draw, I don't do the things. And, and certainly fostering that in, in young people is, is huge, right? That's a very, very, very essential part of this because when we can can show people that they are creative, right? In their own way, whatever that looks like for them, it links them into this grander conversation. Because if you know yourself to be creative, you know, then you know yourself to be a creator. And if you know yourself to be a creator, it ties you into the large creation conversation and allows you the opportunity to see yourself well beyond this, this little individualistic microcosm in this grand scheme of things. And it, and it, and it gives you some um, the power, right? It allows us to recognize that connection as power and start developing a relationship with it. Um, the perseverance, the patience, the, the step by step by step, right? A lot of times we hold these visions and we hear a lot of this in the spiritual woo-woo kind of, kind of uh, manifestation spaces where you have your vision board and then you kind of sit back and let it happen. But, but you hold the vision and then, and then you're moved, right? You're moved into action. And sometimes that movement and that action takes us to where we might feel is completely off course from the original vision, but it allows us the opportunity to integrate and to learn and to forge and to polish. And the next thing you know, you're accomplishing that vision. If you've been holding it the whole time, we get caught up and we're taught to look at that that micro level at the at the silos at the at the logistics and and what do I want what do I not want and the power of intentionality to be able to hold that vision is hugely crucial and and what we're playing with now on these higher echelons is co-creative spaces where we're not just one person holding that vision but multiple people holding a similar vision at a vibrational level that allows for that intentionality to actually be put into focus it's not it's not you don't just get to sit around and think about it right and so so as we as we look at this conversation of really who's going to like what projects are going to make it what people are going to make it what ways of being are going to make it that creative undertone is in all of the models that we've seen so far that are able to ride these waves these waves aren't going to stop right the 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 matrix is re- is shifting everything is changing around us and our ability to sort of ride those waves starts to become incredibly valuable. How do we learn to do that? Um, that process is designed and, and given to us through that creative journey. If we're willing to work with our own creativity, we naturally learn how to work with a responsive universe. We naturally learn how to how to make subtle changes and subtle shifts, how to, how to intuit, right? How to how to sense things in subtle ways. All of those are components of the creative element, and they have to be learned. You have to be able to embody them to reprogram yourself. Doug, I love what you were saying. I, you know, growing up, I I always just thought I had rules, like that everybody heard rules. Like I always had rules that I was following. I didn't know I was creating them. I didn't know myself as that voice, but I knew the voice. And I followed the rules because, and I played with it. And then over time, of course, I've learned to understand. I've, I was, I've been programming myself from a very early age 
and being able to know yourself both as the entity being programmed as well as the one doing the programming is incredibly powerful because you have this natural multidimensional perspective of self, of the world, and of others. It makes you more considerate. It makes you more understanding. And it makes you more successful, right? So the very thing we resist is going to keep us from the success that we're talking about. All these visions for how we want things to be moving forward rests on our ability to come together in these co-creative spaces and work together with those creative elements. So this isn't this isn't a pie in the sky kind of fluffy conversation. This is absolutely where we're going and and you can see it when you understand cultures and how they develop and you understand the evolution of groups of people um, and how we come to be. There there are patterns everywhere if we choose to look for them. Doug, what do you think it's going to take I've asked this question of many people in the science realm, biotech and commerce and and, and, and all sorts of spaces and academia. But what is it going to take for us to start as a society really being willing to embrace the fact that we have that that we're we're talking about looking at things differently, right? Doing things differently um, as all of our institutions and solutions fall apart. um, What do you think it's going to take for that to really institutionalize? Well, we're talking about a transformative force uh, capable of fostering immense knowledge, creativity, and action, right? Uh, um, That's that's a big, big thought. And uh, um, I would say this, is that there's a thing I always think about, uh, and I I tell different uh, people at my companies, is that you know those starting sparks of imagination exploration are actually your soul breaking free from the invisible cage of cultural constraints okay so nice. one, of my, one of my favorite lines is that is you have to start with sparks of imagination and realize that you know you're held in a cage and that's the hard part it's kind of like the matrix uh uh um metaphor that you alluded to uh, briefly, is that we have to first realize that we are in a cage of cultural constraints. And uh, then we could actually start uh, empowering your mind, your body, and spirit to fearlessly start moving forward. And I say fearlessly because uh, many people I've talked to have felt uh, fearful of being creative. That, that it's something scary. And that's why I started our conversation about this metaphor, like being in Hawaii in this warm, beautiful ocean that you just have to dive into. And I've had many, many conversations with uh, educators. And I've had uh, some trials with various principals at K through 12, where we've set up programs to find ways to start inspiring. And one really interesting one was with a grade school, like uh, at third grade level. And the teacher said they had no time for extra activities. We're already overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. The parents said that they were overwhelmed. They had, they were too busy. So then I started this 15 minute um, dialogue that the kids need to have with their parents every day. And I'm asking that the kids do something imaginative, like turn a pizza into a phone, uh, make a car uh, into a flower, whatever it takes. And the kids were having 
great fun. They were breaking the barriers. They were doing it. And uh, they would tell me about a computer made of um, golf clubs and how it would work. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It's exercising that wonderful imagination. And so that's the hard part. I mean, after the inspiration uh, um, settles down, we have the pragmatics needs of our everyday lives. And how we include that is a is a big conversation. I did mm-hmm. start a class at uh, my alma mater, uh, Cal State Long Beach, and I created a syllabus, and they wanted me to start teaching my book. And it was all set up, but I'm so busy right now. I, you know, I wanted it's, you know, it's probably six hours a week. And right now with all the companies I have, I can't. But you asked the, the important question. And one fun thing that I've been doing, I would love to do with you, in fact, is to get maybe uh, a podcast with maybe, you know, 20 people at a time that are fascinated. And we just start doing that where these the conversation we're having needs to be interactive with groups of people. I would love to do that in groups of hundreds. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take something like that to start waking people up because uh, they are held back by their cultural constraints. And mm-hmm. it's even in big companies, I've worked for the biggest companies in the world. And Everyone is held back because they're afraid that if they do something wrong, they are going to get uh, pushed back in the organization mm-hmm. or looked at as a rebel. So everyone toes the line. And when I come in with all my creative ideas, it is something that is uh, both feared and lauded in that, oh, my God, you're going to make us do this. Oh, I'm going to have to be creative now. This is very scary. Right. Breaks and, them out of their their program, their yeah, routine. And usually when I'm working with the CEO or someone at that level is the only way I can create real change because mm-hmm. everyone in middle management, you know, their job in, in many ways is uh, to effect the continuation of the status quo. So I always say, uh, Tanya, that, that invention and new ideas are like uh, something coming into the body and the white blood cells attack it. It's mm-hmm. not whether it doesn't matter whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Um, it, it gets attacked, and society and the status quo of society attacks new ideas. Attacks beautiful, them. beautiful. Let's pause right there for a moment because what you're speaking to is the program of how do we respond to new stimulus, right? And this is something that we teach it when we're teaching energetic sensitization. And we all have a program of how we respond, and a lot of them are trauma programs based on how we respond to, to new stimulus. Mm-hmm. And when we're operating in that survival place, right? It, it, it's it's me versus everybody else, right? It's it's protect the self at all costs. And what we're really talking about here is how do we identify? Are we identifying as an individual? Are we de- identifying as humanity? And when we're able to see ourselves as a, 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 an individuated expression of a larger whole, that program of protect the self at all costs will encompass the whole when we're able to know ourselves beyond that individuated self. And the way that we start with that is learning things like creativity, understanding subtle energetics, understanding the programs that we run and that that we don't, that's not just acculturated, it's through our experience. But here's the beautiful part, folks. You are 
that program, right? You do play those programs, but you're also this other kind of aspect that we're speaking of. You're also the awareness of self in a much bigger way. These are just programs. When you're in the program, you can't understand that. You can't you can't see it. You're you're playing out a program. But we don't always run the same program and we're not always in programs. When you're able to be calm, kind of connected, whether you meditate, pray, sit in stillness, walk in nature, wherever it is where you feel inspired and creative, when we can connect people into that feeling, they're able to remember and see the bigger picture because they're identifying and feeling those connections. It's an actual visceral experience for those of us who are sensitive enough to feel it. That's what I think is awakening here. And it does scare people. I mean, since 2016, we've been asking, what are your superpowers? I know how scared people get when you start asking them these questions and you start inferring that they might be bigger than they think they are. That, but yeah. that fear is based on the programs that we hold. It's not innate to who we are. We know ourselves and our bigness and something in us wants that. And I would attest that, that that's the real fear. We don't see how it's possible in the world that we see in front of us, but the world is responding to you. That's what's so important to remember. The world didn't just happen, folks. We created it. So we can create something different. So I just wanted to take that opportunity to point out, like, we're talking about programs, but it's not who you are, right? Know who you yeah. are. Remember who you are. And then you can see your own programs. Then you get to choose. Do I want to keep that program? Do I want to modify that program? And it, it's just like computer talk, right? And you got to continually upgrade your system so you can do upgraded programs. Like it's not difficult to understand. And I think the virtual space is giving us a way to better understand ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, but it is crucial that we recognize like, yes, we can be acculturated. Yes, we can be these environments. Yes, it can seem insurmountable, but it's not who you are. And when you remember who you are and can hold that, you're able to see things very differently. Yeah, um, Doug. When you go into these companies, right, and we're when we're talking, we're we're really talking about huge social change. I mean, we're talking about evolutionary concepts. We're talking about concepts that we may not see totally come to fruition in our lifetime. However, we are seeing the changes now. We're seeing more creativity. We're seeing more collaborative conversations. We're seeing more inclusionary environments, which is a prerequisite of creativity. If we're going to create the world in front of us, we have to be able to listen to all the people who are part of that world. They are us, we are them. There's no separation. So if we wanna think that we can kind of separate out and do this us versus them thing, you're operating in survival programs, folks. You're just not that evolved. And that's the that's the ringer, right? And when, when more of us start to conversate about this um, and converse in these matters about what we're able to know and sense, the obviousness of those who are unable to to recognize that, to feel that, who have not evolved themselves, probably because of privilege, to the point of where they're able to actually understand those things, that becomes very apparent. And at some point, we will hit a tipping point. And the haves and the have, or the cans and the cannots, those who can access creative energies and those who don't know how to use them and don't even know what we're talking about, is becoming so apparent right now. I see the tipping point. All right, is that is that a, is that a wave that you're riding too, or am, am I full of it? No, no, no. Uh, I'll um, as as a fellow uh, creativity surfer and actual surfer, I'll uh, just say this is a juicy wave, and I'm enjoying it. Okay, so Brilliant. yeah, what I've said to my kids, and I say this uh, often, uh, is that discovering and connecting to your passion. 
may be the most powerful part of unleashing and empowering your creative spirit. Okay. So what is, how do you find your passion? And I think that's the spark that we, uh, Tanya, have to communicate to everyone that a person without passion for what they do is, is kind of empty. Mm-hmm. And I've always told uh, uh, my kids, find your passion, whatever that is. If it changes, then change with it. Right. But there's a certain inertia, like, you know, and everyone knows what inertia is. It's 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 like a uh, object wants to stay in motion once it's in motion, right? And uh, that's a really important thing to find your passion. You're listening, you know, to me speak and and vice versa. And and anyone listening to this podcast can hear the passion we have. You know, it's it's just like it's thick. You can cut it with a knife. It's right there. And it's energized. Yes. And and that that passion process is a lot of what my book is about is finding ways to find your passion and finding ways that you're innately able to uh, develop it, right? Mm-hmm. And so like when I wrote my book, it became such a big, big amount of information. It's it's like a world. And what I've said is just leaf through it and find something that connects with you. Because for me, all the 46 chapters are one interacting dialectic of thought, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, at the end I of the book, I say, Find a couple chapters and put them together. Create your own creative construct. So that would be the next level, Tanya, that I'm talking about is that find find a couple processes that key with you and start your own creative construct. As I told you in the pre-interview, Einstein had uh, a, a very clear, clear definition of how he solved problems. He didn't use mathematics. He didn't use uh, the German language at the time, he used what he called architectures of thought and symbols, mm-hmm. right? And this is a fascinating, wonderful world. I call it the creative chaos, and I have a creative construct. And that's what we should all be, be tra- trained to do. I mean, right. I just, I it just hurts me that our educational system is so bereft in that, uh, that area of education. And all little kids have it when they start, you know, they're coloring, they're mm-hmm. thinking, they have wild imaginations. And then the the job of of uh, of society and, and education is to control the public, direct them to be responsible people that are productive in society. But here's the crux. And I think it's what you were alluding to is that now more than ever, we need to awaken our creative spirit. That's right. There's there's so much going on in the world and information hits us at an alarming rate. AI is taking over what a lot of people think are our innate creativity better than we ever can. And again, the superpower I have is what everyone has. Uh, the idea of being able to create your own creative construct. I call it the subconscious cloud. Your brain. We call it mapping consciousness. Yeah. So it's it's being talked about in many, many, many different ways. And so please continue. Yeah. So it is the ability to engage your mind to be more powerful than you realize. And Mm -hmm. it's something that we're all innately able to do. Right. That's right. 
And so that's right. And people are really fun. I mean, those who are clinging to what was and are really resistant to this change, folks, this stuff is happening quickly. We have people who are able to create and build in these abstract frequencies, literally standing on nothing. And that's what the virtual space taught us is that we don't need the construct first. We can conceptualize just about everything. And if you can harmonize yourself, align all of your intentionality to harness that power and that creative energy, and you are that clear on it, and if you can enjoin others in it, it gets created before it ever hits the surface. That's what's so brilliant. We've been taught to work with things once they've already become real. How do they become real? Right. I remember I had a guy on one time talking all about thoughts become things and thoughts become things. I was like, and how thoughts become things and this type of thing. I said, well, when we're ready to have the conversation about how thoughts become, that's fascinating, right? Because where do those thoughts come from? Which program is channeling those thoughts? What we think we want, what we think we need, what we think we what what we think is the goal, what we think of as success, what we think of as the ideal is all a program. We created it. We can create something different, right? And I love the idea of looking at education, right? Edu- we, education was is an example of doing the best that we could at the time that we did it. It's outdated. We're ready to update it. And it is updating. Um, you, you and I have both been called in to teach at university level and other places where we're chipping away at these things. Institutionally, it's going to be a minute, you know. But the resistance to this, folks, is absolutely crazy because what's emerging is a world where we have to have these skills. It's not even a a fluffy idea or a good idea anymore to, to harness your creativity. We're going to have to. Our children will have to. These younger generations have to know how to use these subtle principles because the world's going to run far out in front of them otherwise. That's how you navigate these new spaces is being willing to allow your own programs to get updated. And it's happening quickly. That can be terrifying because whole realities are reshaping right in front of your face. But that's the illusion. And when you know yourself as a creator and when you know those subtle frequencies and when you understand how to use intentionality and creative energy and creative power and how to align yourself into your whole self and really use these principles, there's nothing terrifying about it. In fact, it's thrilling. It is the most amazing ride of your life. And it's the one I believe we're all called into, the one that seeks us and the one that we seek when we're when we can allow those constructs to reform in front of our face. You know, one thing uh, that was uh, a really wonderful accident uh, when I first started college, I was in track, was working uh, really hard at my dad's business. And uh, uh, one of the guys said, Doug, you know, you got to you got to realize this was 1971. So this is a long time ago. And they said, uh, you should try this thing called yoga. Uh, there's this guy up in Villa Montavo in Las Gatas, and it just happened, this guy named Kersi Bolsara, who was a disciple of Mukhtan Yanda, who uh, uh, now a number of books have been written on him, very high-level yogi. But uh, I went there to stretch, but I learned the uh, process of, uh, he described it, hatha, body, natha, mind, where you do this meditation, and it opens up your brain. And I still do it. And there's many techniques that uh, were taught. And I've referred a lot of people to one of the things that that can transcend uh, the communication process of our linguistic constructs, right? Uh, because it is a barrier. It is a cage. It is, it is a program, as you said. But it's the idea of how can we transcend that and breaking the cultural boundaries uh, that are basically a matrix of mental confinement, 
Okay. And I'm kind of going on your, your lead. They're kind of training wheels. Like I kind of look at them as training wheels. They're not evil, but, but we don't know how to use this power. We can't be trusted with it. It's like the training protocols in the Spider-Man suit, right? Like you kind of have to learn how to work with the basics, you know, and it's easy to go to the conspiracy theories and think that it was put upon us. But I actually think it's a, it's a developmental thing. No, I think, I think it's, if you look back uh, over the millennia, all cultures are based upon uh, um, having a regulated public of of trying to make things work, mm-hmm. and it is it is disruptive to have everyone being creative, everyone asking questions, right? That's right. But conversely, now is the is a time is a new time, and I join with you, uh, Tanya, in this. Uh, I'm not sure what to call it. This new vigilance. This new uh, uh, cry to uh, every person that's listening right now, and it sounds it sounds over emotional, but call it what you want—a prayer, a cry, a um, a, a wild, wild thought that we all must embrace our our innate creativity. It is. It isn't a scary thing. It's a beautiful thing. And if mm-hmm. someone has questions on how to start, you know, obviously they have your podcast, your, uh, um, uh, you know, great, great uh, momentum that you've created. I have my book, right? That I've I've created, and um, uh, it it is important to bring that to people. And even if it's just a you know a ten minute epiphany. You know, mm-hmm. and here's something that's really fun for people. I, I say this all the time. After I've, uh, you know, all the years of creativity, whenever I thought of a new idea, I felt better. I when I just like this gadzooks, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, if you look at it scientifically, uh, in your inner brain, uh, there's been studies that show when you do an act of creativity, dopamine is released. Tanya, we're actually designed to be creative beings. We get dopamine uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, for running, for uh, uh, making love, all these things. So can you imagine we get a dopamine release when we act creatively? That's right. It's And it, it's, it's, it inspires your entire existence. Um, and it, it, it's not, it allows for that to get infused into everything that you do once you activate that program, right? Once you know how to work with it. Um, and it, you know, I stepped on you, Doug, but I want I want to hear from you really quickly. What what can we offer to the audience about like something they can do today to step take one step forward into that space? Oh Lord. Uh I don't know what that ever it's unique to each person, right? And so here's here's my uh most uh how do i say it applicable idea to everyone you'll have a need it'll be emotional it might be intellectual it might be uh uh you might be having psychological problems you might uh be in uh despair maybe you're happy and you're trying to find uh, a way to maintain it. All of that is wrapped into you as an innately creative person. And the simple step 
is to just open yourself up, is to find a way, whatever that is, to be open to new mm -hmm. ideas, new thoughts, and embrace it. And then once you have that, and this is what I've done with first, second, and third graders, and I'm not trying to demean adults who are 40 and 50 who are <laughs> acting like second profession. and third graders. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I, I'm not trying to demean them. I mean, uh, they're, you know, they're at the top of their profession. They might have saved worlds. Who knows what, who's listening, right? But one thing that's beautiful with kids is that they still have that innate feeling. And, and even then it starts getting lost. So it's a, a 15 minute exercise to invent something using the most ridiculous things that you could think of. And I'll give you an example. Um, I'd like to create a new AI program based upon silly putty, marinara sauce, and spaghetti. And I'm going to put it together. And I'm going to tell you why the spaghetti and the marinara is going to interact in a way that creates the most amazing new, uh, let's say, uh, connected system. And already I'm coming up with ideas. That That's right. <laughs> there's ways to do that, right? That's right. And, and create these ridiculous metaphors to free your mind. And it mm, sounds I like- I love that. It's like, oh my God, I can't let myself do that. That's just too uh, too ridiculous. But it, and the beauty of that, you're, you are, mm -hmm. uh, you're breaking the matrix of mental confinement. It's a simple That's little right. thing that sounds ridiculous, but just try it. Be willing say, to play, right? Be willing yeah. to play. I love yeah. it. I, I love it. Yeah, my mind's already going. Okay, the silly. Now, now I'm over there on silly pudding, spaghetti, and marinara. So, so you know, folks, make sure that that you're putting all that together, and we're going to see who comes up with a great idea um, that's usable, right? We have maybe there is a usable AI idea out of silly putty and spaghetti and marinara. But what it does is it opens up synapses, parts of your mind, reminds you to think outside of the boxes you've been thinking in, and that very act. Is a, is, a, is a powerful one. If you're looking for some practical tools, go to superpowerexperts.com and click on courses. That energetic sensitization course is a lot of fun, folks. It'll help you learn how to harness that creative energy, how to get that into your wholeness and alignment so you can utilize it. And it's done in ways that, you know, it can be taught in biotech and academia and schools, right? Right. That's part of it is coming together when we don't agree on basically anything, but being able to come together in shared spaces and actually work together. It is possible. We are proving it. Um, and, and it's time to step into this new new age, like this new way of being that is inevitably taking hold. And we're seeing it across the scale. It's, a, it's affecting sector, financial sectors. It's affecting um, governments. It's affecting um, institutions. Like nothing is, nothing is left untouched in this, in this new evolution that we're in the middle of. Find your place within it. And to start, discover more about yourself, right? That's really the game here. Doug, I love that you joined us. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for supporting the network. Um, folks, we love that you continue to listen, putting us in the top 1.5% of podcasts globally. We know that's because of you. And we are always here to have conversations about the crazy, the, the, the ridiculous, the superpowered, um, and where we go from here creatively together as a humanity to create a world that really does work for all of us. It's not just a dream. It is a complete possibility when we make the choice to see ourselves in each other. Folks, until next time, remember who you are, love each other, and love yourselves. Goodbye for now. See you later.
Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.